Hello and welcome to the Audio Epics podcast. This is Domin, and I'm so happy to be able to introduce to you today the second episode of The Beast of the Western Wilds. I have to say, it's great to be back with a new story. We've been amazed by all the positive feedback that we've received already on the first episode, and uh, we're very grateful for that because it really motivates us to keep working on this stuff and making more of these audio dramas and audiobooks. Even though it's, you know, not always that easy to, to keep working on it when you've, you've got a small child uh, crawling around uh, through the living room and at the same time you're trying to run a small business. But um, who cares? Um, it's wonderful. Speaking of our small child, little Ronan um, is already being trained by us made ready to become a voice actor of himself. In fact, um, you might hear him at some point in The Beast of the Western Wilds in one of the future episodes. I'm not gonna say any more than that. So far, though, um, he only knows one word, um, and he keeps repeating it, and that word is puss. You know, I don't know. Uh, puss is you know, like cat in, in Dutch. Uh, that's the one word he keeps saying. So maybe we should uh, make a story about a cat at some point and then we can uh, make him the narrator, who knows. Anyway, before we dive into it, um, just a few more uh, pointers that I I want to give about The Beast of the Western Wilds. For one, some people might wonder, is this a sequel or a prequel? Or, um, you know, do you need to have listened to the original Witch Hunter uh, dramatized audiobook? And the answer is, it's a prequel, and you don't have to listen to the original uh, Witch Hunter audiobook. All you have to know is that Ludlow is a witch hunter, and um, it takes place in a fictional fantasy world where Seven Peaks is a great city, and the people worship a goddess. And that's about really all the everything you really need to know to be able to follow the story. Secondly, I think it's nice to point out um, how long the story will be. There will be eight episodes of The Beast of the Western Wilds. Some will be longer than others, but we've actually decided to make some episodes longer by combining two chapters in one episode, either because they really belong together as a unified whole, or because one chapter is really too short to make it a standalone episode. And we've already decided which chapters we're gonna lump together, and um, that really brings a final count on eight episodes. And um, the story itself is about five hours long, I think. And finally, um, there is a a small warning that I have to give um, before we go on, that in some of the later episodes of The Beast, there will definitely be some more mature material At the very least, as a parent, I would listen to it first myself and then decide whether this is something, you know, that um, your teenage children can listen to. Anyway, that's really all I have to say, and I'm ready now to stop talking and introduce to you the second episode of The Beast of the Western Wilds, A Witch Hunter Tale. Beyond the Stone Gate. The sun was up and the village lay behind them. Ludlov noticed Rudolf's uncommon silence during the ride, but didn't comment on it. 
the lad must have been truly offended by what the woman had been implying. It surprised Ludlove a bit that he was so taken aback by it. How long has it been since you've seen your cousin, Rudolf? Uh, about a year and a half, maybe. How did he come to be stationed in Schnatwald? He was born there. He asked special permission to be stationed in his hometown. Really? Did he miss his family that much? Well... Rudolf shrugged with a mysterious little smile. Ah, now I get it. There's a girl involved. <laughs> Rudolf laughed, exposing his strangely crooked teeth. Ludlov didn't comment any further on the matter, and Rudolf seemed pleased about that. His plain face lit up by the early spring sun, the young guardsman breathed in and heaved a contented sigh. Rudolf, I saw your amulet last night. Beautiful thing, isn't it, Master? It's my lucky charm. Ludlov raised his eyebrows. A lucky charm? Rudolf, do you have any idea? He decided to start over. How did you come by this? Rudolf simply shrugged. I got it from Adolphins when I left for Seven Peaks. I don't know where he got it from. I've been wearing it every day since then. Brings me luck. He smiled innocently, then spurred on his horse. After two hours, they arrived in Schnatwald. They rode through an ancient, ivy-covered stone archway that led to the gravelly main road along which the buildings of the town were arrayed. The archway extended on both sides into the beginnings of a wall, but either these were the remnants of a building that had been ruined centuries ago, or it had never been completed, for now the archway stood alone. The buildings themselves were modest timberwork, some half hidden in the surrounding oak trees. This village wasn't merely on the edge of the forest, it was almost halfway part of it. It was nearly noon, and the sun shone brightly through the branches of the trees, illuminating the tender leaves in a myriad of green hues. Bloodlove searched in vain for a stable in the seemingly abandoned street. In the end, he dismounted amidst the trees near the last house of the village, and tied the reins of his horse to a branch. Rudolf followed his example. Twigs cracked underneath Ludlov's boots as he ambled along the gravel road. Despite the playful sounds of nearby jackdaws fluttering round the chimneys of a house, it was uncannily quiet. Well, where might your cousin be this time of day? Rudolf shrugged and scratched the back of his neck. The witch-hunter investigated his bashful eyes. Right, to the inn it is then. The inn was called Beyond the Stone Gate, a rather grandiose name for the large but simple wooden building that it was. As soon as they had opened the door, the smell of roasted venison and mushroom sauce awakened their appetites. The walls were almost entirely covered with the stuffed heads of deer, boars, foxes and even a cow. Ludlov had to wonder what kind of hunter had scored that one. A large, snarling wolf was mounted in its entirety on the massive wooden mantelpiece sticking out above the fire behind the counter. It was surprisingly crowded and despite the absence of any music or singing, an atmosphere of busy enthusiasm hung in the air. At a table near the counter, 
three men in studded leather doublets were enjoying a pint and regularly looking over their shoulders, either inspecting the pretty waitress or simply eagerly awaiting their lunch. Rudolf waved at them and the youngest of the three got up and smiled broadly, opening his arms wide. Rudy! Adolphins! Rudolf quickly made his way to the table and embraced his cousin. Hey! Oh, <laughs> where you been? Oh, Good to see Rudy. you. They were patting each other on the back as Ludlov casually walked over. Gentlemen. They all looked at him like they were expecting to be handed out a punishment. But then they relaxed when Ludlov smiled and tipped his hat. A fine day for a good meal. My name is Ludlov. Adolphons was a good-looking young chap with unruly blonde hair. He was still standing next to his cousin, but his broad smile had narrowed somewhat. We were informed you might be showing up, Master Ludlov. Adolphons, I presume? Yes, Master. Rudolf told me about you. He was clearly looking forward to meeting you. Were you? Not enough decent drinking buddies in Seven Peaks, then. The city's big and noisy. Nothing like home. I thought you weren't from Schnurtwald, Rudolf. I'm not. I'm from Braunfeld, not too far from here. Adolphins is a real Schnurtwalder, though. Born and bred. The eldest of the three guards was a barrel-chested man with very short grey hair and a broken nose. He was so wide, he hadn't quite managed to close his doublet, so his white shirt was visible between its laces. He gestured welcomingly with arms as thick as tree trunks. Come, sit with us, Master Ludlow. Ludlow shook his head. Thank you for your offer, but I'm going to familiarize myself with the town a bit. Then he turned to Rudolf. You catch up with your cousin. We'll see each other here again tonight. Rudolf was both happy and surprised. Y yes, Master Ludlow. Don't have too many drinks. We may have serious and dangerous work ahead of us, and I'll be needing you sober for that. In truth, Ludlov wanted to look around on his own for a bit, without the burden of Rudolf following him everywhere. It was a modest village, but it didn't look poor or intended. In fact, it was a rather pleasant place. There certainly was no sense of the kind of darkness that the woman of the farm had been hinting at. This didn't surprise him. People were naturally suspicious. The evil reputation of the forest was undoubtedly enough to spark equally grotesque tales about the quaint little place next to it. There was only one building fully constructed out of stone. It stood towering over the others in the middle of the town, its walls built with finely hewn bricks. Ludlow recognized that stone from the archway at the entrance of Schnertwald. He didn't doubt for a moment that this was the town hall. Some steps led up to the double doors. There was a bell, but Ludlow preferred to use the pewter knocker. No one came to open the door, but he noticed it stood ajar and couldn't resist walking in. The interior of the house was tasteful but not overly luxurious. There was a subtle countryside feel to the way it had been decorated. To his right, an open door led to a beautifully furnished office room. He stepped inside, but the room was quiet and empty. A portrait of a wealthy couple hung on the wall behind the desk. The lavishly whiskered gentleman in the painting was petting a slender greyhound. The Count Rufus of Edelhart, and the Countess Ingalil, his wife. I don't know why these portraits are still there. 
They haven't ruled these parts for well over a century, and they were hated by the people. The witch hunter turned and saw a slender man of about 50 years old, with gentle, refined features. His splendid maroon brass-buttoned jerkin betrayed his high status, although the shirt he wore underneath had its sleeves rolled up to his elbows and the sweat on the man's brow showed he had been working. This was clearly a gentleman of noble bearing who was not afraid to get his hands dirty. Ludlow took an almost immediate liking to him. Forgive me for my intrusion, sir. No matter. You must be the witch hunter from Seven Peaks, right? Ludlow took off his hat and gave a stiff little bow. Ludlow. The man shook his hand. Albrecht Schmetterling, I am both mayor and doctor to this little town. I know why you are here, Master Ludlow. My guards have told me all about it. Well, to be honest, Doctor, I don't know all that much myself. But based on what I've heard, and that was from an impressionable young man, I have to admit, it seems like your town has been visited by a werewolf. I can't confirm that, I must admit. But perhaps I can show you something of interest. If you will please follow me. Then he darted out of the room. Ludlow followed the doctor through the hallway into a clean kitchen. The man then disappeared into a doorway that opened up to some dark steps. Following the mayor down those steps, Ludlow arrived in a spacious cellar, supported by heavy pillars. It was built out of dark bricks, but a large round window in the elevated ceiling welcomed a wide shaft of sunlight into the center of the room. There, on a massive wooden table, surrounded by magnifying glasses, books and strange utensils, lay an utterly bizarre corpse. Dr. Schmetterling cast a curious smile at Ludlow, like he was eager to find out what the witch hunter would make of this creature. The thing was surprisingly small, about the size of a shepherd dog. Its black, emaciated body had been sliced in half around the midriff, but otherwise the corpse was intact. Its overly large head looked somewhat like that of a bat, with huge eyes and ears. Ludlow noticed patches of bristly red fur growing haphazardly all over the creature's skin. And strangest of all, it had such long and thin limbs that it seemed almost impossible that it had been capable of moving around on them. All four of its limbs ended in five sharp, twisted claws. Ludlow bended over and investigated the eyes. Big, black orbs. Without hesitation, he took the creature's head and turned one of its eyes directly towards the window. He could see the light of the sun reflected back in a blood-red hue. Hmm. It is supernatural, but this is no werewolf, nor anything like it. The witch hunter crossed his arms. How did you catch it? It was one of our guards, Adolfons, who sliced the creature in half. It had crawled through the window of the Widow Elsenbach. Does this woman have any small children in her house? The doctor nodded. A baby, barely a month old. <sighs> Ludlow's sigh was bitter. My guess is that it was after the infant then. And Adolfons was there in time to kill the creature? Schmetterling's expression told Ludlow enough. Well, well. Adolfons must be quite the hero of the town then. The doctor didn't answer. Ludlow admired the man's discretion, 
but he guessed there was another side to the story. And what do you think this creature is, Vichanda? Ludlov took another long look at the monstrous corpse. Hmm. This is not something that could survive in the wilds. It was created by some foul magic. There are practitioners of dark rituals who create familiars to carry out certain tasks. I've encountered such baby snatchers before, Dr. Schmetterling. It is good that you summoned me, even if it was under false pretenses. Dr. Schmetterling raised his eyebrows. False pretenses? I was told there was a huge black beast seen roaming these parts. There was no need to exaggerate. This here is troubling enough. Actually, that beast was seen, Master Ludlow. Also, it is claimed. And that is also why we have summoned you. This creature here was found and killed only last night. Ludlow felt a bit stupid. He should have noticed that the corpse was still quite fresh. Right, right. Who saw the large beast then? Several people have seen it, and I believe the widow Elsenberg was one of them. Thank you, Dr. Schmetterling. You've certainly given me enough material to start my investigation. Albrecht, please. <laughs> Albrecht. The villagers had pointed out to Ludlov where the widow lived. It was one of the unremarkable houses already cosily nestled between the trees of the forest. When he knocked on the door, he was surprised to see a familiar face opening it. It was the eldest of the three guards he had met in the inn. The muscular one. Ah, oh, witch hunter. Doing your rounds? Are you Master Elsenbach? Dietrich Elsenbach is my name. Captain of the guard. Ludlow looked around. It was a small house where everything seemed to be made of wood. The heavy furniture was sparse and crudely built, except for a beautiful cradle near the window that was being rocked by a very pretty young woman. She seemed to be about 19 or 20 years old. The early spring sun shining through the window brought a fiery hue to the exceedingly long copper-blonde braid that hung draped over her shoulder. Her appearance reminded Ludlow of a character from an old fairy tale. Nikki, we have a visitor. She started to get up, but Ludlow held out his hand. Please, no need, Mistress Elsenbach. She smiled, but her large hazel eyes betrayed an inner sadness. Uh, can we offer you a drink, witch hunter? No, thank you. And please, call me Ludlow. In truth, he had preferred Master Ludlow, but anything was better than just being called witch hunter. He walked over to the cradle. The baby inside was asleep. Mr. Salzenbach, may I ask you some questions? Of course. Ludlow turned to the captain with an expectant gaze. The captain understood and left the house through the back door. Ludlow could see him through the window, making ready to chop some firewood. He smiled at the girl. Captain Elsenbach is your father, I presume? Mm-hmm. He moved in after... after my husband died. He's been very kind. Who was your husband? She cast a sad and loving glance at the baby in the cradle. Casper was no soldier like my father. He was a tradesman. 
a, a peddler, really. He became ill on the road. Word had only just reached him that his father had been brutally murdered. Ludlow's interest was piqued. Murdered? How? I dare not say, Master Richhunt. Casper wanted to look into it, but I think he was afraid of what he would learn. All we learned was that the poor man was savagely maimed in some kind of attack. It might have been bandits or a, or a wild animal. Or an unnatural beast, Ludlow thought quietly. Is there anything you do know about Caspar's father? His name was Alfred. He was a farmer who lived not too far from here. Caspar hadn't spoken to him in years, so the whole thing troubled him very deeply. He didn't talk about it much, but I knew it never left his mind. I think he felt guilty because they never managed to bury the hatchet before Alfred's death. I can't imagine what that must have been like. At least Casper managed to get home before he died. I thank the goddess that I got the chance to say goodbye to him. And that he got the chance to see our little boy. The grief in her voice was still so palpable, it broke Ludlow's heart. He had seen many things in the world, both great and terrible. But the stoic courage of ordinary folk in the face of great adversity still moved him the most. What did you name the child? Frederick. It was a good Thotic name. Dr. Schmetterling, the mayor, he told me you witnessed a beast earlier. Before the... the thing that tried to snatch dear little Frederick, you mean? Yes. I want to learn about this other beast first. Well, it, it was not long before Casper returned home. I, I had a huge belly back then, so I didn't move about too much. But I had come from the chapel one evening on petitioning day. I had been praying for Casper's return. And it, it was right here outside where my father's chopping wood now. I, I was about to enter when I felt a kind of prickling in the back of my neck. I turned and I saw nothing, but I, I knew something was there. Do you understand? Ludlow did understand. The feeling was well known to him. What happened next? She looked around nervously, like she was afraid to talk about it. Ludlow waited patiently. Well, then, then I heard something. It was a voice. A perfectly clear voice, mind you. Not some monstrous rasp. It was a woman. She sounded young. That was not what Ludlow had expected to hear. What did the voice say? She called me by my name. Which, which frightened me to no end. How could she know me? And then she told me. She told me. Her exact words were... Give him up! Do you know what she meant? I just... I just felt it in my heart. She wanted Frederick. That was what Ludlow had feared. I couldn't speak out loud. 
I just whispered, you'll never have him. Never. You were brave. Did you see anything? <laughs> she dried her face with her hands. Yes. Yes, that, that's when I saw something. Not the woman I'd heard, but the beasts. First, I just, I just saw eyes. They were big and green, and and light came from them. Green. That didn't sound like any werewolf he had encountered before. With a black slit in the center, like, like a cat's eyes. But no cat has eyes so devilish. And then, then it moved, and I saw long, thin spikes running along its back. And there was black, shaggy fur, and, and that's all. The description sounded utterly strange to Ludlow, despite his years of experience with all kinds of creatures. Did anyone else see this creature, Mr. Salzenbach? It's Nicky. Nicky. Not that night, but other people have mentioned similar things. I didn't talk about it at first because... You thought no one would believe you? It's it's not that. Well, it is, but... Mistress Winkler. I didn't want people to think I was like her. Who is Mistress Winkler? And why don't you want that? <laughs> if you had met her, you would know why. Maybe I should. Nicky shrugged. Anyway, I, I told my father, who told Adolphons, and then Adolphons said his cousin was a god in Seven Peaks and he could get in touch with the Witch Hunter Order and, well, here you are. Ludlow nodded and looked outside of the window. Captain Elsenbach was still busy chopping wood. Ludlow contemplated his next question carefully. Nicky. I have to ask you something, and I need you to be forward with me. She looked at him innocently. Are you and Adolphons involved? <laughs> Heavens no. Adolphons is a fine man, but I'm still mourning for Casper. Why? Are the town gossips at it again? Not as far as I know. I apologize. I just made the connection since Dr. Schmetterling mentioned that Adolphons was here to kill the second creature late at night. As was my father. They were having drinks and playing cards. Truth be told, I was about to send elephants home because their laughter was keeping the baby up. The door opened and Captain Elsenbach entered. Ludlow stood up. Was the baby in his cradle right here when the creature came? No, the little one was upstairs. Could you show me the upstairs room where the creature entered? The captain gestured with his head to a rickety wooden stairway at the other end of the room. There was only one room upstairs and only one window. Just go and see. Ludlow went up the stairs. It was a simple attic that had been turned into a bedchamber. There was a double bed in the middle of the room and a modest cot in the back. A large beam ran along the thatched roof. Towards the end, near the window, a baby bed hung suspended from four pieces of rope tied together to the beam. Ludlow walked over to the window. It was open. Upon closer examination, the frame was damaged to the extent that he could no longer close it. 
When he came back down, he eyed the captain and his daughter gravely. Little Frederick is not safe here. Captain Elsenbach put his arm around Nicky, who looked terrified. Why, the creature is dead now, isn't it? One creature is. But I suspect that one was but a minion of some greater evil. Most likely the apparition Nicky saw earlier is also involved. The muscular captain suddenly looked very weak and uncertain, but Nicky nodded in agreement with Ludlow. Is there a barrack for the guards here? The captain shrugged. There is, but it's more of a storage place. Uh, all of the guards sleep in their own homes. Uh, besides, it's not exactly well fortified. Hmm. Ludlow scratched his cheek for a moment, lost in thought. Then he snapped his fingers. The town hall. The only stone building. You'll be safe there. I'll inform Dr. Schmetterling. Do you really want us to move there? For now, yes. Trust me, they will be back. So that was episode two of The Beast of the Western Wilds, and I hope you all enjoyed it. We'll be back next week with episode three. In the meantime, I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, everyone. And from Ronan as well. Bye. <coughs> <coughs>